the radio? Yeah. We're getting down. Like family person, 
but I took the chance and I got an interview and then I got another interview. Alright, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, so, is it true that some airlines have certain requirements or they look for certain not genders, but they have their qualifications. The, they definitely have their qualifications. I mean, you'll find a listing of qualifications for any airline you apply for. Um, I've applied for several, not just the one that I work for, which we won't disclose. But um, I have seen different requirements for different airlines. Most of them require you to be at least 20. Some of them, I think they require like 21 years of age. Um, but most of them are like 19 or 20. You have to be in age. Um, I don't want to say they love people who are like bilingual and stuff like that. Because that's not always the case because Alberto is bilingual and he didn't get a job with anybody he applied for. And I would have thought like personally he'd be a great match for the airline industry. But, um. It is what it is. We keep moving forward. We keep moving forward. Balante. Okay. Um, so, you got the interview. The first interview, it was on video. Okay, so a lot of them, you do like an initial application process. And I found this to be the way with a lot of them. Uh, you do like an initial application. Some of them require a resume with them some of them don't which I think is kind of weird and silly just doesn't weave out a lot of people but that's their hiring application so you put in the application then you hear back from them with either they do an assessment first or they do a, vi a video interview first and the video interviews are so weird because you're literally like sitting there talking to a computer and excuse me sorry apparently I have an alarm going on and um, they do the video interview. You're not talking to anybody. It's like talking to a computer. So You're, they ask you a question? It's literally like a question and like a robotic, like already pre-recorded person. And it's not like a person like you or I asking a question. It's like those PAs that you hear over the terminals that are like, ladies and gentlemen like very like I don't like it's very recorded sounding and they ask you those and then they give you like 60 seconds to prepare an answer hold on so what do you think uh people should prepare should study for like what kind of interview style what kind of material should they learn or try to get knowledge on Know your star questions and study your customer service skills. So star format is, so I hope I have this right. It's been a while. Uh, situation, task at hand, action, action and response. I think it is response. I always want to say resolution or reaction. I, I think that's a new but one. But it is, I don't The new one is resolution. It's basically how did it turn out. How did the end game go with the situation? So like someone would ask you like, oh, tell me about a time that you gave excellent customer service. And you'd be like, oh, okay, so 
I had this one time, this man named Bob came in and he was very unhappy with the service he had previously acquired. And I wanted to make sure that he had a better experience this time around. So I made sure to go out of my way and make sure, you know, he's a valued customer. And I offered him extra this, extra that, made sure took care of him, addressed him by name, you know, got to know him. And in the end, you know, he was really happy and he thanked me a lot for what I had done for him. And like, that's, that would be like a star format answer. Like, obviously that was very bullshit of me, but (laughs) that's a star format answer. And they're looking for that kind of answer because they put it out there for you guys to know that. So they're looking for it and people who really prepared themselves for this, want the job, are doing the extra to get it, all that kind of stuff. And then... As far as like the kind of things that you should know, I mean, really just know your customer service stuff. Like look up star format questions. That's what I did. I looked up like all the situational questions because I'm very bad on like on the spot. Like if you ask me like a question like that, I'm like, well, shit, I can't think of a time that I was really exceptional. Right. So I usually end up making something up and going with it. It flies, yeah. I mean, I don't give real examples. I don't want to say that I'm not above average, but um, I don't have that many situations that really jump out at me. So, star format, interview, first video, robotic person, second interview, where was it at? So, they pull you in if they like you after that. So, they either do the assessment first or they do the video interview first. And the assessment is basically like... You have to go in and either you get it or you don't on the assessment because there's no way to really answer those questions. The assessment is 50 questions, 100 questions, they survey. Say, yeah, they say it's like a kind of like a personality test um, to see if you like would fit the role. And it's like some of them are like agree, disagree questions. or some of Strongly them, agree. Yeah, some of them are like that or some of them are like. Um, choose the best way you would go about this. And some of them are trick because you're like, well, I would do that, but I'd also do that. And then you're like, but those are both great options. But sometimes they put two great options in there to see just, you know. But, I mean, I did mine with Delta. And I didn't end up getting a job at Delta, but I did my video interview with them first and then I did the assessment and I failed the assessment and like I thought I had that in the bag so I was really surprised by that the assessment there's no way to like know that and prepare yourself for that it's really just try and answer the best you can really and then after after that after those two things you go on to some airlines do a phone interview some airlines pull you in for a live interview and some airlines pull you in for face-to-face this all does not happen in one week right oh no uh it took me at least six months to get on with the airline i work for have you heard of anybody taking longer i've heard people taking up to like three years to get a job and that's just through like not denials or anything that's just like straight up hearing from the same company it's taken them like two three years to get on with someone so it's very competitive i saw some articles saying how it's harder to get into delta than it is to get into harvard 
ceremony where you get wings do you get wings before the academy after the academy was the significance of the wings so most airlines get the wings after you go through the training and basically those wings are to certify you so it basically says like hey you're a certified airline stewardess congratulations I mean that's really the significance behind it. It's just saying, you know, you're certified, you have your stuff, but um, I don't. It's a big moment for a lot of people, especially if it's your first airline. It's a huge moment. It's like a tra- like a crowning moment. Yes, almost. yes, it is like a crowning moment because training is hard. It's not easy. How many weeks? Uh, full. Mine was like six weeks six weeks training and the hard part too uh, some airlines don't pay some of them do some of them don't some of them don't pay while you're in training but they pay you after they give you like a starting out bonus that helps you when you get to where you're going but if you're not like you have to be prepared so I always tell people when you're applying for the airlines make sure you're setting money aside because no matter who you get on with whether they pay or they don't pay you you're not making a lot of money while you're there and if you're not making any money at all, if it's unpaid training and they only give you the bonus sum at the end, I mean, it, that can be a struggle. If you have no money in your bank account, you have nothing to fall back on. And the other thing too, there's people who don't pass training. There's people who go and they don't make it. They don't make it. They get sent home and they have to go back to no job, no money. Like it's hard. We go back to square one. Mm-hmm. So you. Save money, be prepared just in case the airline that people are applying to, in case they don't pay up, in case they don't give no moolah, they have to pay all their things out of pocket. Correct? Yeah, some of them. Some of them have to pay. Usually, I mean, they usually house you during it, but if they don't house you and I've never, I've never personally heard of an airline not housing anyone. So I would be surprised if an airline didn't house you. But I've heard of airlines that don't pay for your food while you're there. Because some of them put you in like a university where they have like training grounds with planes and everything to show you everything. And then some of them like, they put you in like a bunker <laughs> with like... <laughs> So I was very lucky when I went to training, I I had my own room and I didn't have to share with nobody, but there's other airlines out there that house you with someone and you have to, for the next five, six, four, whatever, however many weeks they send you to training for, you have to share your room with somebody. And I don't know about you, but I like to masturbate (laughs) and I like to 
have my own space and lay down, watch TV, not worry about what someone else is doing. Or they'll have people who are on different schedules too. So they have like AMs and PM classes. Can you imagine being roomed with somebody who has a PM class and you're in the AM class so you gotta be up at 7 AM and they're coming home at midnight from their class and being all loud and shit? Like, can you imagine? That would be uncomfortable. It would be uncomfortable too. But like I said, I like my privacy too, so. Where along in the process did they start talking about money? Like how they much, how much you guys were gonna make? Uh, if there were different scales, do they pay more if you're bilingual? Do they pay more if you have some type of certification? Can you break that down? So they actually break that down in the in the in-person interview. Um, I mean, you always have that opportunity when you're interviewing. I don't really suggest it because then it looks like you're money hungry. Like you don't want to look like you're money hungry. So I don't suggest asking it during an interview. You always can. It's always a, a point of interest. You can ask it. You have time to ask questions. Um, but during the face-to-face, they actually a lot of times go over wage. And they'll tell you, hey, you know, this is your starting salary. Here's a block chart of every pay raise you get when you get it. You went what you max out at. I think my airline anyways, we max at like 80 an hour. Um, they do pay more for language of destination personnel, which is somebody who speaks another language. Um, depends on the airline you work. Some of them are only Spanish. If they're only flying to the Caribbean and stuff like that, they don't need obviously Dutch and all that. Um, but if you are working for like a big airliner like Delta. Shout out to Delta. Shout out to shout out to Delta for not hiring me. Shout out to Delta for not hiring me either. I was kind of hurt by it, but um, to be honest with you, I don't know what Delta's looking for. <laughs> I think I could rock that purple, Delta. Let me know. <laughs> um, let, yeah, let me know too. Um, <laughs> yeah, some of them. I mean, they have a larger fleet launch, and they're flying all different places and stuff. So they need people of like all kinds of languages. But either way, if you are a person who's a language of destination, there's some pros and cons to that, which we can get into if you want. You speak Spanish, correct? Muy poquito. Mi español es muy mal. Okay. Yeah. All right, so tell me a little bit about the language of destination position. So the language of destination position, I believe, they, not I believe, I know they do. They make more money than the rest of us. If you are bilingual and you speak another language and you want to be listed as it, because you could apply just for English. If you know that you speak another language and you're like, nah, that's not really for me. I don't want to deal with people speaking my other language. I just want to speak English and that's it. You can totally just be an English person. But if you are a language of destination personnel, you can venture off and do different trips you get more of those trips some airlines require them to work so many trips a month that are language of destination because i'm not sure if it's the faa or if it's the airline i think it it does have to do with legalities though somewhere in between um 
they do have to have somebody on board who speaks that language. So, like, if you're doing a flight to Haiti, they have to have someone on board who speaks that language to translate. And it's for safety requirement issues. Um, but those people who are working that flight as flight attendants, because sometimes they'll have translators on there, too. But the person who is working that flight as the flight attendant is making more money. But it can be on smaller airlines. It can be... It can hold you back a little bit. Because you're required to work those flights. Or they want to put you on the flights that are to the Latin America. Because they know that you speak Spanish. So you're not getting like, you know, Bahamas layovers or... You know, you're not getting Italy layovers or... Because they know that you speak Spanish. So, that's the only really drawback to that. Um, but I don't know, personally, like, I know a lot of the people I work with are from Latin America. So, they don't mind really working those trips. Like, not only do they like the extra money, but they also get to go home on layover. So instead of going to a hotel, they're going home, seeing their friends, seeing their family, having fun. You know, where the rest of us are like, oh, yeah, this is nice. This is a cool layover. Oh, my gosh. Latin. <laughs> Let's go get some mofongo. <laughs> so... You said you were a hairstylist before. Yes. You were making more as a hairstylist. Yes. Are you happier now compared to when you were a hairstylist? <laughs> um, there's some pros and cons with each of it. Um, I don't think I really enjoyed my job as a hairstylist. I was in a standstill for a while with hairstyling. I knew that I didn't want to develop my skill, and I knew that I didn't want to push myself. I was good at what I did. I had a great clientele. I could have had a better clientele. I could have gotten into color, stuff like that. I was more on the barber side of things. So I was doing a lot of cuts and stuff like that. I wasn't doing all the color that I could have been doing. I didn't feel confident in myself, but I'm also a person who anything that I've put my, like, push to, anything that I've tried and really wanted to go for, I've been able to do. So I know that if I wanted to make that kind of money in hair selling, I could have. If I wanted to get good in color, I could have. I just didn't see myself doing it because it wasn't really like, I didn't enjoy it that much. It felt like a job to me. It did not feel like fun for me. With, with um, flying, it's different. It's, I'm in my first year of flying, so I'm still figuring things out, figuring how things work, you know. Um, I work with people who have been in the company for, you know, years and years and years, you know, decades. And I get on a plane and I'm still learning things, you know. But I have a real love for traveling and a bigger reason that I missed and went out of hairstyling was to travel more because I started realizing like I'd come home from trips and stuff because I was starting to do a lot more traveling and stuff I would be 
using my money down to the dollar on just going on trips and stuff. And I get home and my clients were, you know, finding new hairstylists or they were coming to me and being like, oh, you know, I came last time and you weren't here. You're never here anymore. So I had to go start going to this person. I had to start going to that person. And I, like, I really started to realize, like, especially with my friend who was flying in the airlines, I was like, maybe I should. Like, you know, she was kind of telling me for a while and I'm like, eh, whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's for me. I'm scared to leave home. <laughs> That was my biggest thing. I didn't want to leave my parents. I was too comfortable. And finally I did it. And I, I really surprised myself, honestly. I don't know where to break that up at. <laughs> uh, I like how you said you went at like a different pace. It seemed like you went at a different pace. But you were also scared. sheltered a little bit growing up like you know my brother had a rough life and this and that I had stuff going at home my family was not perfect to say the least but when it came to like if I needed something my parents were there like if I if I needed something like I was very prideful so I never really asked for anything but I knew that if something were to ever happen my parents would be there a hundred percent and me having the thought of moving halfway across the United States, living on my own, not knowing anybody, not having anybody to call, no touch, have to live off my money and that's it. Like, and granted, like, I didn't. We are slowing down currently. We just saw <laughs> a, a, police, yeah. a police to the left. And you stopped really obviously. Like you were slowing down like <laughs> Like you were just like what the fuck? Like <laughs> He did, he kinda looked up like Damn miss. Yeah, I guess they wanna feel the wind or their gun go off. <laughs> um so we're almost by Arcasanti and I haven't been to Arcasanti, but what is Arcasanti? Real quick, just a little road trip, uh road trip tip or road trip little info. Oh, you want me to tell you? Yeah, you know about it. You know. I did not know about Arkansanti. I'm sorry to tell you. I've, I'm an Arizona native my whole life. Um, Arkansanti, I do not know. However, I believe Montezuma is over here. We are close to Montezuma. What's the... I think Arkansanti is a place that has, like... They run on little to no electricity they're Amish or something like that. Really? Yeah. Well this is interesting. Alright back to the matter at hand. So shelter life loved Arizona. I don't want to say sheltered. I was not. Sheltered but strong. Sheltered but made into a strong woman. So I was not sheltered like my parents made me work for what I had and I always had to you know I never asked my parents like if I went to the movies with my friends when I was younger I never asked my parents for money it was hey mom I want to go to the movies later do you think I can, if I do this or that because there was always a trade it was never my my parents were tough on us it wasn't you know oh okay honey here have $30 go have fun it was like you better clean the blinds 
your bath bedroom and bathroom better be spotless. I better not come upstairs and see a damn thing. Like it, my parents are tough on us, but I don't. I didn't have to pay rent. I didn't have to pay, you know, for food really. My food, my fridge was always filled. Stuff like that. So I didn't have to worry about like stuff like that. But like I paid my car payment, my insurance payment, I paid my phone bill. Like I had responsibilities too, but me moving halfway across the country, you know, and me being a hairstylist for five years and living at home, I didn't have to think about paying for rent and stuff like that. So I'm thinking moving across the country, I'm gonna have to add at least $600 bill to what I pay now. Like, you know, like I would have no money left. So I was trying to figure out in my head, like, how am I gonna make this work? I remember earlier you said uh, you started traveling as a hairstylist and your clients would, when you would come back, would tell you, well, I had to go to this person because you're not here. And like, being a hairstylist, I know some barbers who make good money doing it. Yeah. But it's all about like the scheduling and like, it could bring a lot of money, but. tell them if I still did it I would have no life <laughs> because if I did Joe's hair I would have to do Susie's hair and if I did Susie's hair I'd have to do Lorraine's hair and if I do Lorraine's hair it just the list goes on so you'll basically be balling with all these people's yeah but I would never have any free time to go do what I like exactly I okay. would be flying and cutting hair and that's it you moved across the country where are you based? So I moved all the way from Phoenix to Boston, Massachusetts. Do you enjoy it? Do you like it? How are the Boston natives? Give me a quick little funny ass story. <laughs> Boston natives. Um, you know, Boston natives are not what you would think they are. A lot of people are like, oh yeah, you go to Boston. And you're gonna meet all these people who talk about their khakis and they, they, they lost their khakis and did you lose your khakis or did you lose your khakis and it's like I've met maybe three people there who actually talk like that most people are settlers like they all moved there from another place I live right across the bridge from Harvard so there's a lot of kids there that are going to school from different states. There's not a lot of, like, real Boston people. Um, funny story from Boston. Um, I don't know if that's really funny. When I first moved there, I was living in a crash pad. What's a crash pad? Uh, a crash pad, real quick side note, is basically a building with bunk beds in it. It's like an apartment with bunk beds and you share it with like my crash pad had like 15 people in it so like we were all flight attendants living there in bunk beds together sharing this small pad and I kid you not it was probably like way like maybe 2,000 not even square feet like <laughs> It's the tiniest little thing. So you guys are sharing one shower, one shower, one shower for nine people, one shower for fifteen, one shower for fifteen people. Yes, 
granted not everyone's there at the same time a lot of people are working and stuff like that it's really just a place to lay your head between trips um but when you first start out you're on reserve which we can get into that later but um when you first start out you're basically on call so all you do is spend your time there sitting around waiting for a phone call that could be really annoying it can if you let it I always tell people who are new to the company and on reserve I always tell them because I'm still on reserve too did you just wave to that truck I did why not um yeah I always tell new people coming into the company do not let reserve hold you back don't let it slow you down uh, if you want to do something, go out and do something. Because you don't know if they're going to call you. Just make sure you don't go too far. Have your stuff ready. Um, that way if they call you, you're ready. And you just have to come home, take a quick shower. Get ready and go. I mean, when you live to... Most crash pad people are right across the way from the airport. So, I mean, you, literally you walk to the public transit. Get on and you're at the airport. It's not like you're far from it. Now I live at least like 20, 30 minute drive, depending on traffic though. Do you love being a flight attendant? What do you find challenging, if anything? I have a love-hate relationship with my job. The benefits are so good that they keep me there day in and day out. But the people are very hard to deal with. The people. Which people? The customers. <laughs> um, I mean, it can be, you can have a great crowd and then you can have the shittiest of the shitty. Like, it just, I always tell people when people are like, how are you liking it? When I first started out, that was like the number one thing people would ask me. How are you liking your job? Are you having fun? And I'd be like, you know, I never realized how many dumbass people we have in this world until I became a flight attendant. Different ethnicities, like different walks of life, just doesn't matter. There, well, yeah. I just, I don't know, like, so one of my jobs is like, obviously my main job on the airline is to be there for customer safety. That's any flight attendant everywhere. We're there specifically for safety. Not for drinks. No. The service is just, that comes second to everything. Um, The safety is like number one. And you could tell somebody something like 500 times for their safety and they just still are like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, and do it anyway. Or they don't want to listen to you. And, like, a lot like of Like when the seatbelt sign goes on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I understand it. If, we, if there's not, like, a lot of bad turbulence going on, I'll let you know that it's on. I will make an announcement or I'll say something to you when you go into the restroom. Like, hey, you know, just be careful. The seatbelt sign is on, okay? We just don't want you to get hurt. Um, because... The reason that seatbelt sign is on is because the captain's up front and he's seeing, hey, there's going to be turbulence. It's not flat out or we're not at cruising altitude. So I don't I don't want people getting out of their seat unless they have to. So a lot of it's precautionary, but there's people who just like 
plain ass, we are going through the bumpiest fucking weather. I'm strapped into my freaking jump seat. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, the seatbelt sign has been illuminated. We are going through some turbulent weather. Just want to remind you to check the security of your seatbelt and remain seated at this time. Thank you. And what do you have here? Somebody getting out of their fucking seat to use the restroom. And they're so, like, it's, it's, it's the era of freaking headphones right now. So most people don't even hear what you're saying. They don't hear it because they have and their... And hearing aids. Hearing aids are popping up. They are. They are. But most people have their headphones in and they're not listening to your announcements. So they have no idea what's going on. Um, and they don't realize, like, the severity of turbulence. Because you could really get hurt. I mean, the wrong bump and you could go flying. We've had so many flight attendants that have gone hurt. Um... But they get up and then they come to the front. Here I am strapped into my jump seat. You know, I just made the announcement. And they come up to the front. Is it okay for me to use the restroom? And I'm like, you have to be fucking kidding me. Like, you're joking, right? But instead, I'm like, I really wouldn't advise it. You're up at your own risk at this point. If you need to use the restroom, go ahead. But I'm le- I need to let you know that you are up at your own risk. And I would advise against it. I would ask you to return to your seat. And nine times out of ten, they still go to the restroom. If you gotta go, you gotta go. I guess they had to go. They had to go. And, like, my thing there, too, is if they are to get hurt, who's the medical on board? Me. There's not always a doctor on board, like the movies make no. it out. There's not always. Um, you have what to... What about... So, who is fly? being a flight attendant for like what do you what kind of temperament what kind of person you think would love or would think would enjoy this job the money the lifestyle like because you don't you didn't need a degree no you need a certification though okay you do have to go through their training program okay and it's different with every airline just because we all fly different planes so they have to certify you on their aircraft Uh, I think someone who enjoys being around people, I think there's also a lot of people in the industry who shouldn't be flight attendants, no offense. Uh, There's a lot of assholes out there who complain about every little thing. And, you know, if you don't want to get that person that extra Coca-Cola can, I'm sorry, but you should not be working for the airline. Like... Aside from safety, that is your fucking job. Like, that is literally your job. That's what you're there for. Like, if there was a vending machine in the back of the fucking cabin, they would get it themselves. But there's no fucking vending machine, so guess what, bitch? You are the vending machine. Get them their damn soda and stop complaining about it. I went to Mexico City once, and I usually don't get any drinks on board. I just want to get water. I want them to fill up my Nalgene bottle. Uh Uh-huh. And I just took it out. I was I had it unscrewed, and I was like, "Oh, can I get some water?" She's like, "We have tap water," and like we're going into Mexico, so I'm like, "Ugh." Um, so I'm like, "Do you guys have ice?" They're like, "No, we don't have any ice." What airline were you flying? <laughs> Valaris. They had cute uniforms. The guys had little. You know those like Mexican haircuts that are shaved on the side, little part. That was a cute little pink uniform. But they gave me some. They first of all they didn't fill up my Nalgene bottle, and 
and they get, oh, you want me to fill you up? Yeah, please. All right, give me a minute. Um, they gave me some warm, no ice water in a cup. Like, just come on now. No yeah, ice, well, no ice, yeah. From the tap? From the tap. Did you drink it? I took a little sip. Ah! I took a sip. Okay, uh, you know what? I have to share this with everyone out there. If you run on an airplane, do not take drink the tap water. I'm sorry, those tanks do not get cleaned. There, no, just don't. Anything that requires the water, you know what? And I'm guilty of it. I do drink like the hot water for the tea and stuff. But, but honestly, do everything bottled. It's better that way. Honestly, it's better. Like those systems are disgusting. And this is for like every airline. They just don't like they don't get clean. They're nasty. Like I mean I guess if you had to make some tea, it could be worse. Um If you have to make some tea, it could be worse. Like, I wouldn't worry about the hot water for the tea that much. Don't drink it all the time, but... Um, yeah, because it's... The coffee makers do not get cleaned that often either, though. So, like, stay away from the coffee. Honestly, the coffee's not that good anyway, so... If you're drinking the coffee to begin with, something's wrong with your taste buds, because that shit tastes, like, nasty. The benefits... The benefits. Oh, you want to talk about those, huh? I want to talk about those. Alright, let's talk about it. Um, hold on, let me fill up your bottle. We're going to take a quick intermission. Da, da. Just driving through saguaro cactuses about 30 minutes ago. Now we have some high hills, and in the distance, those. Do you want to go to Sedona? Are we going to stop Sedona? Um, you know. Turn off the highlights. How do you? <laughs> like I know how to work a car. <laughs> Okay, we're back from the intermission. We got some drinks in. We were thirsty. Did everybody get their popcorn? Here we go. The benefits, the best part. Uh, so, personally, when looking for a job, I've always been told look for something with security, with outlook, and with benefits. Benefits where you don't have to worry about paying the copay for Obamacare or the this deductible or something that's cheap for you being your age and like, you know, so 
I got okay benefits, but I can't fly whenever I want to. And we also need to talk about how many days off a month you get. And um, so benefits basically fly for free. Um, sometimes, depending on the airline, if you're going internationally, you do have to pay what's called a Z fare. Basically, like a fee. Sorry, I'm yawning. Um, it's basically like a fee discounted rate. Like, give you a, I'll give you an example. My friend went to Italy from New York. Round trip, three hundred. That's it. That's all she paid, and all that was was like the taxes. She didn't need a visa or anything like that. No, she wasn't going for that long, so no. Um, yeah. So they have the standard 401k, profit sharing, dental, medical, Most of them, yes. life insurance. Yes. Uh, but the main thing is flying for free. You fly for free, standby, you're getting a first class ticket. What, what kind of hookup? What are you getting? So, you fly standby, which basically means if they have available space, they'll stick you in. Um, you can fly first class, you have to book for it. So you have to tell them that you want that first class space. Once again, not all planes have first class. Not all planes have first class. First class is only like if it's available too. So if they don't have it available, they're gonna stick your ass in coach, which is fine. I mean, a free ticket's a free ticket, right? True that. Sometimes they give you the window seat or uh, the aisle seat, the extra extra leg room places. You know what yeah. I mean? And you know, me and Alberto are flying together. I need that. I need that room. All six, three of me. <laughs> I always make you sit in the middle though. So. <laughs> take the aisle or the window. I always give him middle seat. I don't know if that's mean of me, though. I don't like the middle. I know. I'm sorry. I don't really like the window. I could care less for the window. Like, I I can only like the window once we're getting there, but once we're in the clouds and it's not sunrise or sunset, you know what I mean? This sunset is really pretty right now. You think so? Yeah, it's like real... A little purple? A little purple? What about your family? Do they fly for free? My parents do. Okay. My parents fly for free. And then I get one travel companion in a year. My grandma's my travel companion. That's cute. What do you, what's the travel companion? Wait, what's your favorite layover? Ooh, my favorite layover... Somewhere in the islands. Doesn't really matter where. What island? 
a country in specific. I, I know what you want to shout out. I know you want to say it. So just say it. All right? I ain't gonna get mad. All right? I, 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 you know, you know, I'm not gonna get mad. Yeah. You like Puerto Rico? Okay. Continue with the career. You're gonna continue progressing, yeah. getting different layovers, yeah. working with different people. Uh, you may transfer over to a different city, and uh, it seems like it's almost gonna continue changing for you. Do you see yourself doing this as a career, or do you see it as something you do for now while you try to figure other things out? Well, you know, I see myself in the airline industry. I don't know if I see myself with the same company. Um, I'm still trying to figure that out because there's a lot. Like, did you know, before you met me, did you know how many airlines there freaking were out there? There's a lot. There's a freaking ton. Because like, I, you know, before I was an air, uh, airline stewardess, I did not know. You thought it was just like the main ones. There's ones overseas, but, but yeah, I little know, ones like, here. There was like, yeah, like, you know, like Compass Air, shit like that, like Allegiance. Like, yeah. I didn't know all those little ones fucking existed. Yeah. Like, I really didn't. And they all have flight attendants. Isn't that crazy? Like, I don't know. Like, to me, like, so you have. I for like the big boys I don't want to fly for someone small you like the big boys I just like for me personally I see it as like not only do they pay more but it's more opportunity for like layover and stuff like that why would you want to stay with a smaller like I mean everybody has their own things so it depends on like comfort wise like do you want to do 14-hour flights? Do you want to do five-hour flights? You know, do you want to do just the two-hour flights? Like, it depends on what you're looking for. Like, are you looking for quick jets over to, like, what we call island hopping, which is basically, like, real short flights, you know, like 50-minute flights from one island to another? Is that what you're into? Or are you looking to, like, fly from America to Ireland, you know? all about like what you're looking for but personally like I would want to fly just continue to fly for the big boys just because the layover opportunities you get your hours out quicker um because you know I get like 14 15 days off a month that's like half the month right there it is that I don't work and I still make, like, a decent amount of money. That was great. I mean, if there's anything else you want to recommend or just put out there. If you're thinking about it, do it. Don't, like, sit around and just, like, contemplate like I did for a while. Just take the chance. Just do take it. Take the chance. And you know what? That's what I ended up doing. And 
the end of the like the end game, I just ended up just saying, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna apply and see what happens. Because chances are, it's gonna take you at least six months to get hired anyway. Yeah, it's a long time. So that gives you more than enough time to fucking prep and get ready for what you need to get ready for. So it's like, don't worry about. I think we, a lot of people, yeah, we overthink. We do overthink, and that's what was really holding me back. Was you know, I had all these questions in my head about this or that no you figure things out along the way and you know what you're gonna build a family within the people that you meet at your airline this and that i have family all over the airline industry now like people i consider my family that i can stay with go see go visit people i can lean on in times of need like you meet those kind of people you meet lifelong friends in this industry drive up to beautiful Zion. We'll probably put out a video, some nice pictures. We're going to do a little, some hikes there and then on the way back in Sedona. Um, hope everybody learned something new, something interesting. I've been learning a lot from oh, this young, the rest stop. Yeah. You tired? drive through Sedona if you want. Oh, we could. You want to go the back way? Oh, my God, let's do it. I don't know the back way. I know the back way, though. Is it going to mess up my car? What? Is it going to mess up the car? Well, how is it going to mess the car up? If it's the back way, are we going off-road? No, we're not going off-road. <laughs> All right. All right, so we're going to go the back way. Um, I like this. 50 minutes. Almost an hour. 